continue our travel tour of Israel this morning, and uh, we'll get some pictures up while they're getting that ready. If you will turn in your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Wow. How are you guys adjusting to the new service times? <laughs> it, it's a little bit different. We used to have a lot of people hanging out in the coffee shop area, and, and now not so many. Um, the, I tell you, the second service is, is growing because people who forget about the first service are showing up there. And, uh, but Sunday school time is really good, and we're really in, in, enjoying it. I think it's really going to help us. This morning, I want to show you a few pictures from Capernaum. Now, Charlie's looking at this going, I don't remember that picture. That's because this was from 2012, I guess, or 13 when I went, and uh, because we didn't have a picture. Capernaum is a, a small, well, at that time was a, a thriving city in, on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, um, and it's where Jesus spent most of his time. That's why they have the sign, Capernaum, the, uh, the town of Jesus. And they've got a new sign up there now that's a lot fancier. They've been doing some, some work on that. Let's go to the next. This is a picture of the town with the synagogue in the background. And uh, that synagogue is very important. Now, that synagogue is not from the time of Christ, but the base of the synagogue is from the time of Christ. It's like they broke one down and then rebuilt on the same same platform and uh, on the same uh, foundation, and it's there. All these things you see in here were houses. This is Peter's house. Uh, there's now kind of a church built above it, but they believe that this was Peter's house, and this would have been where Jesus stayed because he hung out with Peter all the time. You remember he healed Peter's mother-in-law, and that's one of the things he did here. He did so many things to Capernaum. And uh, this is Peter's house. Actually, if you go up, you look down into it um, from the church. They got like a glass thing that you can look down into. But you can see the different rooms. Peter was one of the more prominent people in that town. He had a little bit bigger house. Let's go on to the next one. Once again, you're seeing the, the synagogue. Those base stones you can see at the bottom probably need a pointer. These stones here. And all those really dark stones, that's from the time of Christ. So a lot of the places you're walking when you go see Capernaum are the very places that Jesus walked. And uh, that, that, is a, that synagogue is one he taught in. These are just mainly the houses and the neighborhood that are around the synagogue. And, and again, those are places that Peter would be. There's a synagogue. We had a, um, this is one that Jesus would have taught in quite often. The one that was before this one. Okay, let's go to the next one. And there you can see, uh, we just didn't go shopping and stuff while we were there, though we did spend a lot of money on stuff. Um, we Every spot we went to, um, our guide spoke, and then um, this is Ward Hodges. You'll get to meet him in March. Uh, Ward pastors Lighthouse Baptist Church in Lake Mary, uh, the church I used to pastor. And... Uh, he leads these tours, and he is a tremendous Bible teacher, and he teaches from each time. You can see some of the columns and the, the, the ornate structures at the top. It's amazing how old things are there. Once again, parts of the synagogue. Okay, let me see. I think there's one more picture or something I wanted to point out to you. 
Let's go again. These are just some of the, the ruins. These are some more of the headpieces. Again, you can see the intricate work that was done in the stone. Ah! This is the one. You know what that is? Right there? Oh, yeah, somebody's got that. I should probably get one of those, huh? That's a millstone. You know how Jesus talked about if you offend these children, it'd be better for you to have one of these millstones put around your neck and thrown into the sea? That's what it is. I may get pictures of millstones and let have, just have them all around. I know Miss Sandy one time, I gave her a picture of it just to help her understand that we have to get our, our, our kids, we have to treat our kids well. She already does, but she spreads the word that we need to treat our kids well and we need to invest in them because, wow, they're, they're, our young ones are the, are the future and our, believe it or not, our teenagers and young people are the present. They're the ones who know more people and can do more things and we'll talk about that later. That's just a millstone. Everything's really old in Capernaum. A little couple other things that happened in Capernaum. Um, it's one of the three cities that were cursed by Jesus because of their lack of faith. Uh, it was Capernaum, Corazon, and Bethsaida. And uh, they were cursed because Jesus did incredible, incredible miracles there. Peter, Andrew, James, John were all fishermen in that village. Uh, Matthew, the tax collector, also dwelt there, and that's where Jesus called him. Um, let's see. He did several, several, several miracles. He cast evil spirits, and we're going to talk about one of the miracles. He healed the sick. Like I said, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Um, I wonder if Peter had mixed emotions about that. You know, you just never know. I he honored her. He put her right to work. You read the scripture where he healed her. Then she got up and served everybody. So maybe that was the, the plan all along. But uh, listen, demons were cast out, and um, the devils there confessed that Christ was the Son of God. Paralyzed man was let down through the roof, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, Jesus caused his disciples to catch fish in miraculous ways right there at Capernaum. That's where they uh, found the fish, or where Peter caught the fish that had the coin in the mouth. So it's just an amazing place. This is where, where Christ spent so much of his time in that little town on the north side of a lake in a little country. The world was turned upside down. That in mind, let's go to Mark chapter 2. We'll start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch as there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit 
that they so reason within themselves, he said unto them, why, re why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them, and insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this, on this fashion before. Let's pray together this morning. Father, uh, man, we are so thankful that we can be here this morning. Thank you, Father, the, for your incredible love and your incredible mercy. Thank you how you use uh, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and to, to, to bring your message throughout the world. Pray, Father, you will meet with us this morning. Open our hearts to receive your word. I ask, Father, you empower me and help me to say only the things that glorify you and the, the things that need to be said. We praise you. And Lord, we just want to glorify you in all that we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing things happen where Jesus is at. Just amazing things happen. And there's just a few of the little amazing things that happen. Number one thing we see happens here sins are forgiven where Jesus is. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time getting over that. I know we talk about it all the time, how Jesus forgave our sins. He died on the cross, and he rose again, and he took away our sins. And he's forgiven us our sins. But do we ever really let that soak in? Our sins are forgiven, and that's an amazing thing. That, that, that's an amazing thing. They're, they're forgiven even though we can't be good enough to have our sins forgiven. We don't... We have too many sins. Oh, sometimes we think, oh, come on now, I'm not that bad a person. Well, yeah, you probably really are. We just don't like to admit it. Now, I have a very for lack of better terms, colorful background. Um, I have one of those testimonies that if you've been in church, you know, everybody likes to have those testimonies. I wish I didn't have one of those testimonies. But let me really put it to you simply. It only took one sin for Adam to fall and cause the whole rest of mankind to fall. And if you really think you're good, let me just ask you a couple quick questions. Have you kept the Ten Commandments? Do you even know what they are? By the way, if you'd like a copy of the Ten Commandments, I got a stack of Ten Commandments back in the office we came across today, about this tall, and they're posters. So if you want a, a poster of the Ten Commandments, we'll be happy to give you one so you can learn what they are. It talks about, you know, uh, no other gods before God. But let me just, real quickly, have you ever told a lie? No. Well, we, yeah, we're not supposed to bear false witness. That's lying. And I don't know anybody alive that doesn't tell a lie. Even if it's meant for the good reason, but we all tell lies. And that makes us liars. And the Bible says that the liars, if you look in Revelation, liars don't have a place in heaven, they have a place in that lake of fire. And if you think about this, have you ever taken something that's not yours? 
right, even if it's a piece of bubble gum, or maybe you stole something from your brother or sister, I think we all can, if we really got honest, can say that we've taken something that didn't belong to us, even if it was little. And that makes us a thief. The Bible says that uh, we're not to commit adultery. And some will be thinking, I'm good on that one. But Jesus just added that thing. You know, if you uh, uh, look upon someone with lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. I don't know too many people don't look upon someone with lust and say they've never, never done that. And the Bible says we're not to kill. Yet Jesus says, if you're angry with someone and if you hold malice that you're you're committing murder in your heart. So it, it, it just turns out that we are just with four commandments, we're adulterers, we're liars, we're thieves, and we're murderers. If you go through the rest of them, you'll find that we broke every single one of them. And it doesn't matter what type of moral lifestyle you've led, you've you've all and we have all sinned. And it's an amazing thing that Jesus would forgive that. It's an amazing thing that he loves us that much. That he would come to this earth and live out his life and teach and give his life so that our sins could be forgiven. Folks, that's amazing. And I hope you never get over that. I hope that you would dwell on that and think on that and meditate on that, that Wow, he, he's forgiven our sins. What a tremendous, tremendous pleasure that is. What an awesome thing that is. Our sins are forgiven. Not only that, but when you come to meet Jesus, when you see Jesus, your lives, our lives are made whole. Look at verse 11 and 12. I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed, and glorified God. Lives were made whole. Back to my story, my testimony. My life was a mess. Now, you probably wouldn't have been able to tell if you looked from the outside, but I was falling apart. And, and, and I was a mess emotionally. It was starting to affect me physically. It, 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 poor spiritually, I was in, 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 a, in real trouble until I met Jesus. And he put my whole life back together. He turned me from someone who used drugs and alcohol and a very destructive lifestyle <laughs> he allows me to come and speak to you this morning and, and, and share Christ with you. What an amazing thing that is. He makes lives whole. He took me and gave me a wonderful wife and wonderful children. He, he, he took something that was a wreck and made it whole and pure again. You know, if you'll think about it and you think about how he's worked in your life, you'll find that he's done that to you too. And yes, there's physical healings. There's emotional healings. And there's that spiritual healing. And he makes us whole again. Another amazing thing that happens is faith is rewarded. 
verse 5 talks about these guys. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He's commending those guys that bro broke the roof off of Peter's house. I wonder what Peter would think now, because there's a church over it, and you could actually look down into it. I wonder what Peter was thinking when they were breaking up his house to get that guy into to him, to Jesus. They had so much faith, they knew if they could get their friend to Jesus, that he could be healed. They must have really loved their friend. And when Jesus saw their faith, he healed that man. He healed that man. He rewards our faith. When we come to Jesus, he rewards faith. And, and then, oh man, ultimately, verse 12, God's glorified. God is glorified. They were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. We never saw it this way. God, you are amazing. You know, that is what we're supposed to do with our lives, is glorify God. Oh. God, you, you do amazing things. You've forgiven my sins. You've made my life whole. You're you, you rewarded my faith. And, and God, it's all you. I mean, a lot of people that are, that have, help themselves. You know, they, they've straightened their life out. They've pulled themselves up by the bootstraps. They've, they've done whatever it takes. It's all about them. But let me tell you, the only reason I can stand here, the only reason there's anything good in my life is because of God. And we need to lift Him up and glorify Him as that. You know, we've come together on a, on a Sunday morning. We have the freedom to be here. We have great facilities. Um, we're going to be changing the ceiling tiles, the... the, the uh, Roof's fixed. We just got to get the ladder in here and uh, so we can change ceiling tiles so you don't have brown spots up here. I was looking at some pictures the other day. I was showing Elijah some pictures back in 2005. You know what this place, how many of you were in here in 2005? Remember what our carpet looked like? Blue tarp. You know what our ceiling tiles looked like? They didn't because they weren't there. <laughs> we had these, it, we didn't even have those, those vents. We just had these big tubes for air conditioner coming down. It was, it was quite the place, but praise God we had air conditioning. We spent a few Sundays outside, and it was not real comfortable. <laughs> Listen, we need to glorify God. He gives us so much, and sometimes we forget to lift him up. It's all about glorifying him. Because see where Jesus is, and amazing things happen. You're thinking, maybe thinking, hopefully you're thinking, well... What does that mean? Well, this is what it means. We need to bring people to Jesus. Now, that's exactly what those four guys did. They brought their friend to Jesus. And that's what we are to do. That's what Jesus has called us to do. In fact, if we're going to bring people to Jesus so that they can have their sins forgiven, so their lives can be made whole, so their faith can be rewarded and our faith can be rewarded and God's glorified, if we're going to do that, and I think we must do that, we have to catch a vision for Christ's work. Look at verse 10. But I say that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy. 
Jesus claimed what his mission was right there, didn't he? That he could forgive sins on earth. He hadn't made that final payment yet. It was coming. But that was Jesus' mission. In, in, some of the, in the other Gospels it says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. I love how Acts 26, 18, Paul is, is uh, giving his testimony, what happened to him. And Jesus told Paul this. He goes, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You all around, you see these posters. I thought about taking them down this week and then I remember what I'm preaching. We need to catch a vision for the work of Christ. And if you look at all these posters, missions and prayer and discipleship and community and outreach and unity and holiness and ministry, these are all things that are the vision that Christ had. They all have something to do with seeking and saving the lost. Our vision statement, we reach the world through building of relationships. And what did Jesus want to do? He wanted to reach the world with his message. And how do we do it? We invest our lives, our treasures, to build a Bible-centered, spirit-filled body of believers who exemplify Christ's love for the glory of God. We bring people to Jesus. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know, I, I, I sometimes think we, we get, we make this following Christ thing a little more difficult than it really is. Do you realize there's only about four things he's really asked us to do? The great commandment. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he says the second's like this, love your neighbor. So if we really want to take the first part of, of Jesus' great commandment, he says, love God. And the second part is, love people. So the first part of our mission, if you will, or our existence here, or our carrying out and bringing people to Jesus is about loving God and loving people. And then he has something that we call the Great Commission. It, it means, it's this, it, it's make disciples who make disciples. Once you introduce someone to Christ and he starts that incredible work in, uh, of forgiving their sins and, and uh, putting their lives back together, we are to teach them everything that we have learned so that they go and teach other people and it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. In fact, what greater need is there in this world right now than to have more disciples of Jesus? And, and we're the ones who've been told to go out and make those disciples. We're the ones that have to bring people to Jesus. That's part of putting your life back, making it whole again. He's given you something, a purpose, and a calling that is so much greater than anything else out there. Listen, I've experienced riches. I've experienced being poor. I've experienced being successful uh, by the world's standards. But can I tell you, it was, it was just looking for the next thing, the next thing, something to make you feel good. Jesus called us to a life of purpose. 
Love God, love people, make disciples who make disciples. If we're going to bring people to Jesus, we got to keep that vision in front of us all the time. Secondly, if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we have to implement innovative methods of introducing people to Christ. Verse 4. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. i got to tell you something. Can you picture that? Can you picture these guys climbing up on the roof, breaking it up? They really wanted to get them their friend to see Jesus, didn't they? That was an innovative way. They couldn't get through the crowd, so they broke the roof up. How many people, how many of you would crawl up on top of this roof and get a, get a can opener and, and get through the tent and, and dig through the insulation to bring somebody in here to see Jesus? I'm, thank goodness we don't have to try to that. But we have some innovative ways. We need to implement those innovative ways. You know, one of the most innovative things that ever happened was Sunday school. Do you realize the early church didn't have Sunday school? And you know what? They didn't, re, re, they didn't meet Sundays at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock or they usually met Sunday nights because Sunday was a work day. And so this whole thing about meeting early on Sunday mornings is a new innovation. You all said, well, it's always been that way. No, it hadn't. We just think it's always been that way. Air conditioning is a great innovation. Listen. In this ministry, in the things that we do here, we are trying to be innovative. We partner with Child Evangelism Fellowship to go into the Good News Club. We go to Neil Armstrong Elementary every Tuesday, and uh, right after school, all these kids come rushing into this room, and they get a snack, and then they get stuck on tables, and people start pouring into their lives, teaching them about Jesus. And... They're, they're, they're loving God by being obedient. They're loving these kids. And they're bringing Jesus to them. So those kids can go bring Jesus to someone else. I think you guys had about 20-some kids this week. About 25. Most all of them are new kids. You usually keep a kid two or three years, and then they're, they, they, they go on or they get out of school to go to the next level. Um. That's a great way to reach kids. On uh, Thursday, we had wildlife. It wasn't near as wild this week. First week we had, there was 91 kids and about three of us trying to corral 91 kids. 91 middle schoolers. That's rough. This week we had eight workers and about uh, 35 kids. So we were able to do a whole lot more and get a much more effective witness to them. But you know what? Going into a public school and playing crazy games and running wild with middle schoolers, that's a kind of an innovative way of reaching people. Friday night, we're going to go to the football game and cook hamburgers and sell food. And, and we are reaching people who are starting to know who we are. Um, oh, yeah, you're that church that, that works at the football games. We're starting to introduce ourselves to other people around, and we're getting the opportunity to share Christ. Elijah gets to go every week and speak 
and be with the football team and speak to them. Um, we were able to go and talk to kids on, on campus at Port Charlotte High. And, and that, by the way, that's one of the reasons we're getting the deodorant and all the, the stuff. I was talking to one of the uh, assistant principals there, and, and you, you all don't really, may not realize this, but this is a really not a very wealthy community. And there's a lot of kids that go to that school that, that they, their parents, there's a lot of kids that are just functionally homeless there uh, at that high school. And their parents don't, aren't able to give them soap and shampoo and deodorant. And believe me, some of them need it. So let's be, you know, whoo. We have an opportunity to help. You know, we have an opportunity, another innovative way. Some of you who may be newer here have seen in our bulletin core, and you see a, a figure there. And you're probably going, what is that all about? And some of you who have been around here a while want to go, How come, what's going on with CORE? Let me explain what CORE is first. CORE, we have eight acres here. We're only using about two and a half. Everything across our parking lot all the way to the next street is our property. And CORE is a community outreach endeavor. And we are in the process of permitting to be able to put a flag football field, four soccer fields, and a walking track on that property. And we can have, we can do some things called Upward, Upward Sports, which is a Christian-based football league and cheerleading and soccer. We can also have the YMCA come in and use our facilities and uh, use our property. We can go out and minister to the parents there. Um, we can, people can come walk our track and it'll be able to help us to get healthier. And uh, uh, that we also have an opportunity to reach out and minister to people. You know, it's really hard. The older you get, the fewer people you know. And the older you get, if you're a church person, the fewer lost people you know. So how are you going to bring people to Jesus unless there's ways to get to know them? Well, this is a way to get to know them. A little bit of innovation. Meeting later um, this year, uh, we've, we've been hitting, hitting and missing uh, a gentleman named uh, Ken uh, Scruggs. He runs a thing called the Genesis Center in Lake County. They're in every school in Lake County. They have their own facility where they do after-school after school tutoring and um, developing children. They teach them how to do some basic carpentry, how to grow food, how to have respect, and teach them manners, and also help them tutor them. Uh, and get them going. It started off as just a little after-school program, and now it's throughout the the uh, county, Lake County. In fact, I talked to him, and he is on his way to Alaska. They have several things going on in Alaska. He's doing these things all over the states. And the one incredible thing about it is it's all funded through grants, and they're reaching people. It's a volunteer. Four days a week, you have to be there. One day a week is voluntary. But, you know, if you've got your kids going someplace four days a week, you're probably going to let them go that fifth day. And that fifth day, that, that voluntary day is Wednesday, and that's chapel day, and hundreds of people are coming to Christ because of that program. That innovative way of bringing Jesus to people. Gretchen was talking about starting a life group here. We'll do a life group. We'd, we'd meet on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. You know what? We, you, if you were involved in a life group or wanted to be involved in a life group, you could meet anytime you wanted. You could meet here or you could meet in your home. In the early church, 
Maybe we need to go back to some of the stuff they did. They didn't, other than in Jerusalem, they'd come to the temple until the temple was destroyed and because there's lots of people there and they're preaching. But when they did their Bible study and stuff, they did them in homes. That whole New Testament, that whole early church really met in homes and there'd be several homes throughout a city and it'd be called the church at the at, 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 uh, Philippi or the church at Rome. or it, Basically, it's the churches, it's all these people. Maybe we can do. Maybe we should do some of that. You ever thought about this? I know people. No matter how much they like me, I, they, I could never drag them into a church building. You probably know people like that too. But they'd probably come to your house and eat a meal, and you could study the Bible together. Huh? That doesn't sound too dangerous, does it? And you can bring them to Jesus. You see, if we're going to bring people to Jesus, we've got to catch a vision for that, and we also, we also have to use innovative methods. And some of y'all may have ideas that I've never heard of. I've worked in bus ministries. We used to have a bus ministry here. We, this summer, Elijah and I are talking about doing some backyard Bible clubs. We used to do a lot of those here. Key to a backyard Bible club is having kids that know a bunch of kids in the neighborhood. We're starting to get some of that going on. We go to the reservation and do vacation Bible school. We do whatever we can do. We'll come up with a way to get Jesus to someone. We have to catch a vision for the works of Christ. We have to implement innovative methods of introducing people to Jesus, and then we have to walk in faith and trust in Jesus. Mark 2.5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. You see, we can't do this in our own power. Hebrews 11 tells us that um, it's impossible to please God without faith. And we have got to have the faith to, to venture forth in some of these innovative ideas. We have to have the faith that God will empower us to do the work that he so desperately wants done. We have to have the faith that, that, man, he'll even use me. He'll even use you. He desires to do that. I, I, I think I have a, a little bit of a clue as to why he likes to use people like us. Because when he can use people like us, he gets all the glory. Oh, it's not that we're so good. It's that he's so good. And he can take us no matter what, and use us in a great way. We just have to have faith. We have to trust that he will follow up on his word, that he will make us whole. Oh, we know he's forgiven our sins. He's, he's putting our lives together. And we can glorify him by walking by faith. Wow. Wow. Amazing things happen when, Jesus, when we bring people to Jesus. Y'all want to see some amazing things happen? Yeah. Let's get it on. Let's get in on seeing amazing things happen when we bring people to Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Father, uh, thank you so much for loving us and Lord for forgiving our sins. Lord, may we never get over that. Lord, may we never take that for granted. 
May we always, may we always rest in thanksgiving of that fact that you've taken those sins away. And Father, will you empower us? Make our lives whole. Give us that purpose to go out and to tell others of you, to bring others to you. Lord, we want to see amazing things happen. Help us to come up with innovative ways. Help us, Lord, to have a vision for you and your work. Lord, strengthen our faith as we walk to glorify you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. We'll have a time of invitation. Listen, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, maybe you haven't had those sins forgiven yet. Wow, I love, there's several people here that would love to sit down with you, open up the scripture and show you how those sins can be forgiven. Maybe you need to be part of this church. Come, come and talk to me. We'll set up a time and we'll go through. We'll tell you, every, tell you everything, probably more than you want to know about us. Maybe you just come to a place where you realize, I've been kind of doing the religious thing. Maybe it's time that you got involved in bringing people to Jesus. Whatever your need be this morning. Maybe it's to put your life back together. He'll do that. We give you this time. You can you can make decisions where you are, or you can come and, and pour out your heart this at this altar. Whatever your need may be this morning, be obedient to the, the Holy Spirit as He draws you. Oh, to Jesus.